Hello you guys! I just wanted to welcome you all for season 2 of Journalist Talk, the podcast from journalists to journalists. And in this season I have a few amazing episodes already recorded and ready to publish for you guys. And I was just waiting for the right time and a few is right now. So without further ado, please enjoy this season as much as I enjoyed recording and editing for you guys. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Journalist Talk and today we have Tammy Trujillo here. She's a broadcast professor, radialist, and a podcast. Hi Tammy. Hello. Yeah. Thank you for coming here today. I'm very happy to talk with you. Oh, me too. I'm kind of excited for this episode. I've been <laughs> waiting for it because I couldn't do it before. You're my professor for a podcast class, so mm-hmm. now we can do that. And as always, I ask for my guests to briefly introduce themselves, mm-hmm. do a brief biography. Okay. All right. Well, as you said, Tammy Trujillo and uh, Southern California, born and bred, and uh, been on the radio since I was 19 years old. It was not the career that I was planning. Um, I had plans to go into sports broadcasting and sports law, but uh, turn of events with the baseball strike of 1981 and needing to find a job, ended up doing radio for what was going to be a short period of time. But then after the strike ended, things did not work out. And so I stayed in radio and uh, worked really hard to start being able to do sports on the radio because that was a time when women didn't. Mm -hmm. And the career just took off from there doing sports news and traffic both on radio and tv here in southern california still on the air news anchor for 89.3 kpcc southern california public radio and also public affairs director for am830 klaa i started teaching when i was about 24 because a friend of mine who was also a broadcaster and taught could not fulfill a class that he was teaching needed help and uh, i helped him out and just kept on teaching from that point on that's very interesting Mm -hmm. it's like such a a young age to start teaching, I guess, like mm-hmm. journalism? Yeah, it was actually an audio editing class, and you're right, my students were about three years younger than me, <laughs> um, but yet I'd already been on the air five or six years at that point. Oh. So, you know, while the ages were really close, the experience level wasn't, so it actually worked out really well. I enjoyed it and started pursuing teaching more. That's and, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ended I ended up at another couple colleges. Um, what else about me? I've written two books that are textbooks on uh, internship and news writing. They're used throughout the country. And uh, got into podcasting about five years ago. So that's kind of the, that's the long and short of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's very interesting. But today I wanted to talk to you more about mm-hmm. podcasting. Okay, sure. Which is something that recently I got really into it. And mm-hmm. as time goes by, I keep searching for more to listen to and etc. Mm-hmm. How did you come up with ideas for your podcasts? Well, podcasting was something that I've been aware of for about the last eight or nine years. I originally, I'll be honest with you, thought it was kind of one of those um, things that would come and go. Mm-hmm. I did not think it would become really big. I was wrong. <laughs> it, came, it became really big. But it was not anything, honestly, that I ever really thought I would get into. You know, radio broadcasting has always been my thing podcasting, again, just didn't seem important. But I will tell you the story because it's a really weird story. Uh, it's a very weird the story. The is all yours. <laughs> <laughs> My stories are. Yeah, right. One of the companies that I own is an animal transport business. We transport animals all over the country for rescues and fosters and just people who want to move their animals and can't put them on a plane. And 
we have people, a crew that does that, but this particular day, I had had to make an emergency run with the dog out to Arizona. I had gotten up really early that morning, not anticipating that I would have a 12-hour drive that day, (laughs) but, you know... uh, Everybody else on our company was busy. My husband was out of town, so it's like, okay, I'm elected. So take the dog, drive it all the way out to Prescott, Arizona, uh, come back, and I'm driving back. It's about 11 at night. I've been up probably 16, 17 hours, and I don't know if you've ever driven from Arizona, but there's a stretch of the I-10 coming into California out of AZ and coming into Arizona that it's just, there's nothing. <laughs> it's pitch black, and at that time, I'm like, there's no cars. So I'm literally out there alone on the desert driving, trying to stay awake. That's important. Oh, yeah. <laughs> (laughs) No kidding, but I'm exhausted, right? I've still got five hours to go to get back to Los Angeles. And I started thinking about John Lennon. Now, I'm not a John Lennon fan. I'm not a Beatles fan. I don't dislike them, but I never really liked them a bunch. And I'm thinking, why am I thinking about John Lennon? And then I started to think (laughs) about what would it be like to talk to John Lennon? I mean, where is this stuff coming from? And over the course of about an hour, it turned into an idea about a podcast, about a weekly talk with John Lennon. And the title came to me, the logo came to me, everything. I'm thinking, this is weird. This is just weird. Because why am I thinking of this stuff about somebody I don't even really care about? And um, once it kind of got all figured out, I called my husband. He was on the East Coast performing with Sean and Awe. And so it was like three or four in the morning there. I woke him up. And I said, <laughs> I said, I've got this crazy idea. Tell me, tell me, am I nuts or what? I explained to him, he goes, that is brilliant. Wow. I would listen to it. Talks with John was born. Basically learned the art of podcasting by doing talks with John. I, I had no clue. It went on to be 106 episodes. We won eight international awards with it. It spawned a stage show that debuted in New York just before the pandemic. And of course, with the pandemic, all live shows were canceled. So the bookings that we had were going to take us through the summer all fell apart. But that's how I got into broadcasting. That's That's so interesting because I was listening to Talks with John and I was like, (laughs) why John? Why not like Paul McCartney, Wells Presley or some other... Artists, some other. I agree with you. Yeah, I was <laughs> I like, why is she like a secret Beatles fan or something? Again, that not... was part of my question. Mm-hmm. I was like, how? Why John? Why yeah, John obviously, Lennon? I knew who John Lennon was. I grew up with the Beatles. You know, when I was a child, John's always been rather of an enigma. You know, mm-hmm. a very controversial figure. But honestly, yeah, I, no, I had, I was as a scoundrel too. When this this stuff, personally, what I believe, and some people think I'm crazy, but I I honestly do honestly do believe John gave that to me. I believe in the hereafter. I believe mm-hmm. in spirits. Yeah. I do believe that for some reason John tapped me. I mean, you're alone in a dark place. He was like, "Hey, I have an idea for yeah. you. Why not?" Well, it's interesting because <laughs> you know we try. I've tried to sort this out for years. A very good friend of mine had passed not that much earlier. Okay. Maybe a year earlier. He was another rock and roller celebrity, and he was very good friends with John and very good friend of mine. Uh, broke my heart when he passed. And And I've just, we've always kind of thought, my husband and I, that maybe my friend was the intermediate between the (laughs) two of us. And maybe John just really was feeling like, I want, I wish I was still there to to talk about what's going on because our world is so upside Mm -hmm. down. John was all about peace. We have anything but peace, particularly now. Maybe somehow, I don't know how things work in the afterlife, (laughs) But we, I kind of, I kind of am of the impression that my friend was kind of the catalyst for this to occur. Yeah, 
That's very yeah. interesting. Very, very, very nice to hear about it. I know that you are working right now in another podcast, mm -hmm. the United States of Animals. Yes. I know now that you love animals, you have a company for them and etc. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. how did you put that into a podcast? Like, I want to focus in a podcast about animals. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of podcasts about animals, out there. and they talk about animal training tips and things along those lines. They get into products and so forth. I didn't want to do something extraordinarily commercial because mm -hmm. it's been done before. I think one of the keys to doing a good podcast is to take the topic, the broad topic, and go out and see what's being done under that topic heading and then find a niche that's not being done. Mm -hmm. Find a niche that's not being done. There's where your podcast is. Because you don't want to do a podcast that everybody else is doing. But if you can find some angle nobody else is doing, now you've got something to really market. Something that says, we're the podcast that da-da-da-da-da. The thing that I think is most important about animals, and I'm a certified animal behaviorist as well, so I, I know how to work with animals. I've always been fascinated by the human-animal bond, mm -hmm. the relationship. Yeah. Now, a lot of people don't understand that. They have a dog or a cat or whatever, and they feed it and clean up after it and take it for walks and pat it. But they don't understand, unfortunately, that that's a sentient being. Yeah. That is a, that's a soul. That's a being. That's just not a food machine. It has feelings and emotions. It has desires. If they don't make that connection, they have lost out on something so spectacular. You know something that I saw on TikTok? Uh -huh. um, it's been like one or two months already. Uh -huh. But it's like, I have a dog. And mm -hmm. I never introduced myself to him. Ah. He knows his name because I call him all the time. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't know his owner's name. Right. You never, like, introduce yourself yeah. to your dog. It's just yeah. like, hey, whatever the name of the dog. Right. Come here, let's right. play. Here's the food. Yeah. But you never, like, say, hi, I'm this person right. and I'm your owner. Right. Yeah. And I was right. like, that's very interesting. But it's right. You know, you go adopt a dog and you do all your paperwork, right? If you mm -hmm. buy it, get it at a shelter or rescue or whatever, put it on a leash and you trot out the door. And it's like, this dog is going, who are you? <laughs> Why are you with me now? Right? <laughs> I'm on this leash and I don't even know who the heck you are. And now I'm supposed to go home with you. And would you do that with a person? Would, would you oh, meet no, another yeah, person yeah. No, and just, no. <laughs> just say, you know, come on, we're going. <laughs> but if you think about it, we don't also like introduce ourselves to our kids. Like, no. hi, I am this person <laughs> I'm your mother or your father. You know, that's but a, it's, it's, it's weird because people who comes like to us, like we know who they are. They don't yeah. know who we are. You know, I had a long time ago in one of my classes, I had my students do something. This was in an interview class, okay? okay. Teaching people how to do radio and TV news interviews. And I had my students interview one of their parents and they had a list of questions and they could go off the list or they could just blow the list away. I didn't care. But I gave them a list so they didn't know where to start. Almost all of those students came back to class <laughs> saying, I learned so much about my mom or my dad that I didn't even know. And I'm like, you've lived yeah. with them 20 plus years and you had no idea your mom or your dad did this or that or the other thing. We don't, you're right. We don't even know the people that were around intimately yeah. because we don't take the time. And it, it, when it's another species, we're totally lost. Do you know a fish can recognize you? A fish. A fish. Oh, that's crazy. If you have a pet fish <laughs> in a bowl. Yeah. That fish will recognize your face. That's interesting. They I, never, I never just stopped to think about it. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, the fish is it looking is. at you all the time, isn't <laughs> it? What do you think is going on up here? Yeah. It has a brain. So that's what the United States of Animals is about. It's about the human-animal relationship. It's talking to people who get it mm -hmm. about their relationships with their animals and how they develop that relationship and what that relationship yields that ordinarily wouldn't be there. And we try to educate people on on how to create that bond with your animal. I mean, you're going to spend gosh knows how many thousands of dollars on this animal over its lifetime with vet care 
preparing food and what have you. Mm-hmm. If you're not getting your money's worth, and I don't mean that crassly, but you're not getting your money's worth if you and that animal don't, don't yeah, you don't have a relationship of love and understanding. Plus, it goes to, you know, if an animal is doing something you don't like it to do. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. a friend of mine came to me once at a radio station I worked at, because every everyone always comes to me with animal things, right? <laughs> and she was upset because they brought home a new baby. Okay. They had a toddler. They had a new baby. They had a beautiful Aussie Shepherd. Great with the toddler. Did not like that baby. Oh, no. <laughs> Growled at that baby. And she was really distraught. They were going to get rid of the dog. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get rid of the baby, right? <laughs> I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, no. whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. And we sat down and we talked, and I talked to her husband on the phone. We kind of did a, she was in the studio because she was at work <laughs> kind with of a me. Meeting. We did. <laughs> and I made them figure out what the dog's problem was. And the dog's problem was just exactly what would be a human problem if a baby came in the house and one of the kids got jealous. The dog was jealous. The dog was the baby. That's something that I've heard a lot from my friends. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. when their parents had like their siblings the dog didn't like it because it wasn't ready for another person to be around and all the attention all the focus was going on the new baby yeah not the dog (laughs) and so we talked about how to bring the dog into the circle because the dog felt pushed out yeah how do we bring the dog back to the family Mm-hmm. And we did some, you know, they sound crazy, but we refer always refer to the dog first, when, not the baby. Mm-hmm. Refer to the dog first. Recognize the dog first. The baby became whatever the dog's name was, Fido. <laughs> Fido's baby. Mm-hmm. So the dog knew its name, connected itself to the baby, as opposed to the baby being this thing over here. It now became the dog's baby. Concept worked. In a week, there was no more problem. <laughs> and then shifts, and then the dog is totally protective of the baby. Oh, yeah, because this is yeah. baby, and you want that. <laughs> you, you know, but at this point, the dog saw the baby as a threat. Mm-hmm. But now we brought them all back into a family. It took a week or two, and she, Christina came back. She said, hey, you'd never... I said, yeah, I would believe it, because we just... We had to see it from the animal's perspective. And understand, first off, the animal has a perspective. Yeah. You know? They, they have a brain. It makes me crazy when I know how many people are living out there with animals, and they, 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 they're missing it. That's true. Yeah, so that's what the ESA is about. Uh, our slogan is, we're all humans and animals are created equal. Yeah, so. I, I like that slogan. It's yeah. really good. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> it's a fun show to do. Yeah. I love it. I bet it is. Yeah. It's like you can know more stories and bring uh, this perspective uh-huh. to people. Like uh-huh. people, me until like two months ago, I didn't have this perspective. I was like, why should I present myself to my dog? Yeah. 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 Okay, so we know that you had talks with John. Yes. You're working on the United States of Animals. Uh-huh. And do you have any upcoming projects that you want to talk about, that you can talk about? Uh, There are some. One of the podcasts I'm involved with is one here on campus at CSUN. It's called Voices from the Edge. Mm-hmm. And it is with two professors, Professor <laughs> Ivor Weiner and David Boynes, and Mookie, who is the music director here at KCSN, and one, a graduate student, uh, Izzy Arguetta. The professors came to me uh, last semester, and they wanted to do this podcast. They had a grant to do this podcast. Didn't know how to do it. And we put it together, and it's Voices from the Edge, where music, technology, and arts collide. Okay. Something like that. Anyway, <laughs> it, we talked to professors on campus who, like anybody else are way more than you think they are 
because they do all these other extraordinary things. It's kind of funny. It's kind of quirky. It gets real serious and heavy sometimes, but it's a, it's an hour long interview. So I exec produce that. There is a podcast that is about to come down on uh, antique doll collecting. Oh, okay. Uh, That's interesting. <laughs> that is another. I, I wouldn't know what to talk about <laughs> antique dolls. <laughs> um, well, you know, dolls go back thousands and thousands of years and uh, dog collecting is a, it is, as I recall, the third largest collecting behind stamps and coins. Okay. Believe it or not, here in the U.S. at least, but also all over the world. You'd be surprised. And uh, it's something I've been interested in since I was about 11. So this is kind of one of those things I've always wanted to do. We're launching it with the assistance of the United Federation of Dog Clubs. That's so interesting. <laughs> I'm mind blown right now. So we... Because for me, there's like, there's Barbies and Polly's and those like baby dolls yeah. that, that you have when you're a kid. Right. And like... The only past kind of doll that I imagine, like antique dolls, uh-huh. is those that looks like Annabelle, you know, from the movie. Oh. Those that looks like a little bit scary. Okay. When you go like to those antique markets, yeah, to, like yeah. what, wherever you are, because yeah. because like every city, every they have one. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I never stopped to think about like talking about dolls. Well, you're talking the ones that like Annabelle, and I know totally who Annabelle is. <laughs> you're talking about bisque dolls from about. 1860 to about 1920 and I'm glad you're sitting down because I have been at doll auctions where those dolls have been uh, auctioned off at 50, 60, 70,000 dollars. Yeah, that's good that I'm sitting down. I know. There, you know, all of us grew up with dolls. Most of us girls did. Yeah. A lot of guys did too. There are a lot of male doll collectors. True. Doll collecting as an adult is not about playing with them, certainly. It's about looking at them as works of art Taking within their time frame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You never own them. They, you're only allowed to have them to shepherd them for a while. Just yeah. to keep it safe. So Dollology 101 is coming out. There are a couple of others that are floating around, too. There's one called uh, Let's Rock About It. I was... <laughs> if I can talk too much, it's not. Oh, it's it's okay. okay. It's okay. No, it's I not have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, probably 200 hours of interviews with rock and rollers uh, that I've done over the years. Uh, some of them have even passed on, like the Righteous Brothers and Paul Revere. And I've sat on these interviews for a long time and never done anything with them. And so I started kicking around an idea recently of putting together a podcast uh, just with those interviews there's not much work to be done because the interviews are done just and it, edit them and yeah. Publish, yeah and it'll be called let's rock about it let's talk about it let's rock yeah. about it you got that. I, I love that yeah <laughs> um, I love a play with words I know right <laughs> and uh, this this one these interviews were gotten for about 10 years I was a member of a band called the Ohio Express the Ohio Express is a band that was active in the 60s I was not in it in the 60s I joined the band in the year 2000 Ohio Express is the band that is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for creating the bubblegum music craze of the late 1960s and in touring with Ohio Express over all those years, we would play with all of these other artists. And being a news anchor and loving the interview, I always had my tape recorder. So I'd be cornering people backstage, cornering people in limos, um, <laughs> and getting their story down. Because, you know, once we pass away, our stories go with us. Yeah. Unless somebody's got them down. And I have all of these on tape. And I didn't take them for a purpose other than just because I had the opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. So 
whipping those out, do something with them. I mean, I get it. Like yeah. the journalist instinct is just yeah. like to talk, to ask, to uh-huh. never stop like being curious about exactly. people, things. I think it's yeah. really interesting, like your projects, yeah. because it makes us think out of the box. Like well, you said, yeah. you have to find a niche that nobody's uh, it's talking about mm-hmm. it already. Mm-hmm. So one I would love to do, and this is a time thing, obviously, is just to grab random people and get their story. You know, celebrities have stories. Okay, fine. But you know what? Your gardener has a story. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. And when you delve into it, sometimes they are just fascinating. When you look at somebody, you have no clue. Yeah, and I think the podcast that you are the exec producer, it's Uh very interesting here to talk about the lives of the professors. Because, like, for us, it's something not untouchable, I want to say, but it's very different. We have Uh you guys as people that we respect, that we have a lot to learn from, and etc. But all of you have a life that it's not like, hey, guys, well, turn to page, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Talking to you right now, it's opening so much that I didn't know about you. You have a lot of companies. You were, you were in a band. You have tons of projects. You, you know, it's really it's really interesting to get to know people. And I think, like, with this podcast that I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. like, I want to talk about the experience of people in their professional lives. Okay. But at the same time, there's a lot of, in our personal lives, that influences oh, absolutely. Our, our perspective and everything. Absolutely. Yeah, I've always made an effort to get to know my students. Yeah. Because, again, just like you look at us... And, okay, we're the professor and we know what we're (laughs) going to do. You're in my class and you're supposed to learn stuff. But I have found some of the most amazing things out about my students when I've actually had the occasion to get them to talk to me Mm -hmm. and reveal who they are. Some of them have done amazing things. Some of them have been through incredible things. I can't even imagine they got through them. I'm so proud of them. Honest to gosh, I think I've I've always seen the classroom not as me and them, but us as a team to do a task. And that task is to learn podcasting or learn audio editing or whatever. It's it, it's always been more fun for me if I knew my students and let them know me. And we break down that wall. Mm-hmm. I, my students call me Tammy. I, I rarely insist on Professor Trujillo because I don't, I don't want that. The difference. That, yeah, that gap. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to say, okay, you and me, we're going to learn audio editing. Come on, let's learn it. Yeah, that's like, it's very different from Brazil uh-huh. because in college, we're just like, hey, Tammy, we just call it for the first name uh-huh. or even nicknames if they're like, I prefer you call me this. Right, sure. Yeah. But then you come here and there's like some professors that if you miss, like, miss, say, for example, professor something, they're like, no, I'm a doctor. Oh, I know. Yeah. And I there's know. like these things and there's like, you always have to call it professors yeah. and the last name. Yeah. And there's like exceptions like you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's very different. Like here, I think there is more of this gap mm-hmm. than... It's a countrywide difference. Probably, yeah. I had a student from Germany years ago. Really nice girl. And I'm German. And I speak German Mm -hmm. fluently. And so I was thrilled to have a student over here from Germany because, you know, first thing I did was tell her, hey, I'm German too. And I wanted to know all about Germany because I've never been there. She, one day after a particularly difficult class, I had a student who was pretty difficult in the class. She came up to me and she said, can I ask you something? And she said, how do students get away with talking to the professors the way I've heard people talking to their professors here in America? She couldn't believe it. She said, in Germany, any student disrespect, they'd be out of that college like that. She was just amazed. Mm-hmm. And she's, it, it, took, it, it took her forever to start calling me Tammy. I mean, she just couldn't do it. So there's a cultural difference because yeah. Germany is a much more formal, what do I want to say, um, not community, but culture. 
Mm -hmm. Brazil is more, hey. Yeah, yeah. we're friendly. And maybe, yeah, loose. loose. Loose, I think it's the right word. In yeah. a good way. Loose yeah, in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> casual, casual. Okay, yeah. So that makes sense that you'd have that. But here, it's such a mix. Yeah, you know, it is. We don't really have an American culture, so to speak, that's really broad. And gosh, you go to different parts of America, you'll find different cultures entirely, and they're so different. But I've just never been hung up on titles. Yeah. You know, I mean, I got my master's degree. I, I could go prancing around with a title, but <laughs> title's a word. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you're better than anybody. Yeah. It means you have more education. It means you passed a licensing. Yeah, mm -hmm. It means nothing. I don't get hung up on it. It doesn't make any sense. It, it, well, it creates a barrier. <laughs> exactly. It creates this phony barrier. Barriers stop us from things. That's what barriers are meant to do. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. okay if you're putting a barrier around something physically that you want to protect. That's cool. But why do we want barriers between us? And how can I teach my students if I put a barrier? I, I, I personally can't. I like to have fun. <laughs> I like to have fun in my classes. That's true. This is a job, just like any other job. We go to it X number of hours a week, just like you go to your job X number of hours a week. And every job is a job, okay? Yeah. I mean, we're not digging a ditch. That's a, I wouldn't want that job. Mm -hmm. This is a better job, but it's still a job. So if I'm going to spend, I don't know, a fifth of my week doing it, I want to have fun doing it. That's and true. that's how I try to run my classes. I mean, if you like your job, you're never really working. And I love this phrase. It's because, a good phrase. Yeah. It's a good phrase. That's yeah. what I tell my friends. They're like, oh my God, you have all these hours at the radio. I'm like, I don't even care. I'm having so much fun. Well, see, you just said you're doing this. And yeah. This. And then yeah, like, I do a million things, but I'm having a blast doing it. So, okay, so what, what else would I do? Go sit on the yeah. beach? Okay, that's nice to do. I do that sometimes. But I can't do that all the time. Yeah. So I do all these other things. Yeah. That's Th right. That phrase is a good one. I grew yeah. up with a mom who, single mom, mm -hmm. you know, two teenage kids and a baby. And my mom was a county of LA dental assistant. And I watched my mom as I grew up going to work hating it, coming back from a day that she hated and hating the fact that tomorrow was going to be the same thing. Mm -hmm. I watched that as, yeah. as a little kid. I mean, it was, so, it was that obvious. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, mm -mm. that is not going to be me because it's horrible. That's what I, that's what I tell my parents. They're like, yeah, well, journalism is cool, but it's not where the money is and mm. etc. And I'm like, if I'm going through the money, I'm not going to be happy. But you know what? It is where the money is. And I can tell you that for a fact. Oh, please. I need that. <laughs> I'm the beginning of the career. I need to know where to go. <laughs> well, there is quite a bit of money to be made in this yeah. industry. No, yeah. I know. But like they, they were speaking in general, you know, like you can get... I was thinking before coming to journalism mm -hmm. to do like law school. Okay. And it's like, okay. Yeah. It seems better. Oh, it was on my list at one point. Exactly. Yes. I think like every journalist go through the law phase yeah. because like it's a place that you can defend and talk and mm -hmm. have a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. arguments, but at uh -huh. the same time, like in journalism, you're more loosened to talk about it. <laughs> Some all, stuff. I, you know what? I always recommend to my college students that they take yeah. a couple of law courses. Mm -hmm. I have taken about a year and a half of law school. Oh. And I did not go with the intent of being a lawyer. Mm -hmm. I went with the intent of learning law, contract law, mm -hmm. so I could read my own contracts, write my own contracts, not sign contracts that, you know. Just seems good. I signed some stupid contracts when I started in this business and I lost a lot of money oh. because I didn't know how to read them. I'm oh. scared to read them because they're long and they got long words in them and I'm scared to read them. And so, you know, I just went, okay, I'll sign it and made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. So I, I've always taught my, in fact, I used to teach a broadcast law class mm -hmm. for quite a few years where my students learned to read contracts. Oh, that's interesting. So I recommend doing that because mm -hmm. you're getting out in a business where you're going to do a lot of freelancing, you're going to sign a lot of contracts. 
But I will tell you, there is good money to be made in this yeah. industry. You've got to work hard. Yeah, But yeah. it's there. It is there. Just have to go get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do your best, the job. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I feel like in the area that I want, you wouldn't have that much. Because I want to do something more cultural. More like oh. feature stories oh, and etc. I don't know. You know what? If you had been talking to me 15 years ago, I would have told you, yeah, good luck with that. We're, we're changing. Mm-hmm culturally and we are more interested in each other thank god than we ever have been i think yeah. personal opinion here we're looking at different different groups are now emerging from the shadows they're already there yeah but they're emerging from the shadows and they're not actually just emerging emerging sounds like they're sneaking out quietly they're bursting out yeah and we're celebrating them in many cases so i think now is a right time for what you want to do i'm happy to know <laughs> <laughs> just my opinion as a yeah. broadcaster but i do you also bring an interesting perspective of it because mm -hmm. you're not american yeah you know when you're dealing in your own culture you kind of sometimes get a little defensive about your culture you're coming in as a very objective person because mm -hmm. you're viewing it all yeah american culture you're viewing it you're viewing these different cultures so i think you have a unique perspective yeah. Where you come in wide open. I love the dynamic that I have at home. I have three roommates. Uh -huh. And one of them is always like at home with me. So we are always talking. And she's from Connecticut. Okay. And at the same time, they're like, okay, so Californians do that. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> but at the same time, she's like, oh my gosh, we do that, this and that. And I'm like, that's so weird. And she's like, that's an American thing. Like, you are saying like crazy things to me right now. And I'm like, no, you are the one saying. And that's like this... This shock of cultures, mm -hmm. we have so much fun doing that. Yeah, so just to finish, can you give an advice for people who are starting their podcast now or think their ideas are, are not enough to start something? Okay. Oh, geez. Well, the bottom line is you're never going to do anything unless you start, okay? <laughs> thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it is not going to get you to start. That's just going to delay you. Mm -hmm. The first piece of advice is if you have an idea, get a USB mic, plug it into your laptop, and start talking. And see if what you have in your head can actually come out of your mouth. Find a podcast coach. I have a company that does that. That if somebody says, I want to do a podcast, they don't want to go to a college, and learn like, you know, you're taking podcasting, mm -hmm. you took podcasting yeah. here at CSUN. I have an online class that anybody can take and download. And it mm -hmm. kind of, depending on what package they buy, and I'm not doing commercials, I'm not going to tell you the name of it, but I don't <laughs> want it to be a commercial. Depending on the package they buy, they can do some Zoom sessions directly with me. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. There's a lot of education out there on how to do a podcast. Mm -hmm. Listen to podcasts, particularly in the area of your topic. And when you like something, write down, oh, I like that. What is that? Because you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Write down the things you like so that you know, oh, I want to do that in my podcast. And then write down things in podcasts that you hear that you don't like at all. You don't like it. Oh, that's <laughs> horrible. And write that down and learn from that list. Yeah. Podcasting, one of the cool things about podcasting is anybody can do a podcast. Uh, no, not everybody can do a good one. Okay. <laughs> but phrase it. Well, I want to I put that caveat. Not everybody can do a good podcast, but everybody can do a podcast. Mm -hmm. So get the name, get the concept, get the dot com for it so you have that identity. You know, find a logo designer to draw a logo or go on Canva and do your own logo. Just get started. You Just know? get started, everyone. Yep. So thank you so much for coming and talking to me, Tammy. It was, it was such a fun time and such thank a pleasure you. to have you. Thank you. And so everyone, I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Journalist Talk.